What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the College Football Degenerates Podcast. As always, I'm joined by your boy, Michael Ahern. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, we had a really great week of college football. Uh, so many great games uh, at every time slot, even at the really late slot. I mean, I, I genuinely was 14 hours of great college football, which you don't normally see. Uh, no. Most weeks you have some great games, but this was every single game, every single time slot. That was a good game, which is crazy. No, uh, yeah, I have to agree, seriously. Like, I mean, number one, Pac-12 After Dark, which we'll get into, hit different. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you just did not want to go to bed at 2 in the morning. Like, that's a great feeling. It really yeah. is. Um, and, you know, real quick before we just get into the overview of what happened last week, I just want to say I'm glad to be back. Work's been crazy. Um, I listened to the last one. Michael did a great job, as always, with the solo well, pod. But, um, but yeah, obviously, you know, the Georgia takes, I'm sure, were hard to hear for all of you. But, again, we'll move oh, past no, that no. as we <laughs> – no, but um, obviously, we can't talk about week six of college football without talking about the Red River showdown. Michael, quick thoughts. What, what did you feel? First of all, great game, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know what, I, I think that was probably the best game of the year, in my opinion. I mean, that first, like, seven like to, like, nine minutes of the game was, like, genuinely insane. Uh, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, if you were watching the game, it was absolutely ridiculous uh, how it started. Um, like, man, it was crazy. Uh, Dylan Gabriel has established himself, uh, in the Heisman, uh, campaign. Uh, he went 23 of 38, 285 yards and a touchdown. But the biggest thing has to be that final drive when all hope looked lost for Oklahoma. What does, uh, Dylan Gabriel do? But he leads them down the field, five plays, 75 yards, only, uh, uh, in a minute, it took them a minute to go down 75 yards uh, for the touchdown. I mean, there were so many big plays. Uh, obviously, the pass interference, you know, did help. But uh, the point is, uh, Dylan Gabriel showed up big time when he needed to. He also had 113 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, so he showed up big time. Quinn Ewers, man, uh, he was re- he had a really good game. Uh, 31 of 37, 346 yards and a touchdown. But those two interceptions were bad. Um, not to mention that also uh, uh, the the goal line stand for Texas uh, was really hurting them. Uh, Oklahoma's defense showed up big time, and that's what really hurt them—just them not being able uh, to score points. Uh, when you look at the stats of the game, Texas uh, had 527 total yards, uh, greater than Oklahoma's 486 by a decent amount, but every time they would get a lot of yards and then they couldn't turn it into points. Three turnovers, that's what really cost Texas this game. Uh, Texas is still a great team. Uh, they will, in my opinion, play each other in the Big 12 championship game. I don't think there's any other team. Maybe the exception of like Kansas, but maybe Kansas State, but they lost to Oklahoma State and Kansas got blown out by Texas. So, 
I don't know. I think this is going to be the matchup we see in the championship game. Uh, and, you know, I'm all for it. This game was amazing. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I, I'm not going to go out and say this is the best rivalry in college football. However, I will say since I've been alive, this has been the most exciting rivalry to watch every year, in my opinion. I mean, the games are just, I mean, again, exception for last year, the games are just always electric. They're usually always high scoring. I mean, that one when Caleb Williams played his first game when he came in for Spencer Rattler a couple of years ago, that's one of the best college football games of all time. And when yeah, you look definitely. at a game like this, like so many implications. I mean, Oklahoma's the real deal. Texas showed, I mean, Texas is still the real deal. I mean, if you look at Texas after this game and think they're any lesser, you're crazy. Okay? Because Oh, definitely, yeah. Abs- yeah. Absolutely great game, which is why I'm glad the AP didn't drop Texas too much. I mean, uh, what you want from two great teams fighting till the end, very close game. And, I mean, if you look at what it did individually for a person, I guess, I mean, you'd probably say just after what happened last year, you would say Brent Venables, but more importantly, in my opinion, Dylan Gabriel, man, he wasn't able to play in it last year. He plays in it this year, and he's borderline. He's at the highest third for the Heisman ranking, and you could even say he's two with USC struggles lately and Cable Williams. I mean, he's a legitimate contender to win the Heisman, and I mean, the game, I mean, if, even if you look at the TD pass, yes, it was like a four-yard pass, but with the pocket collapsing, Dylan Gabriel's poise was one of the biggest things for me that was just shocking. Because, like, he's played in some big games, but this probably being the biggest in the regular season for Oklahoma for just this year's sake and is just, like, for the program, Texas is always a big game. I mean, it was insane. Oklahoma's defense, you know, it, it was kind of a bend, don't break. Like you said, I think they stopped Texas twice inside the 10-yard line, once that goal line stand, and they, they forced the turnovers. You know, if I look over at Texas, they did their thing offensively, but Quinn Ewers, you know, turnovers at the end of the day really hurt them, as they should in a game like that. I mean, it was a photo finish. Everything you could want out of a college football game in general is what you got out of this game. Definitely, I mean, yeah. it, it was great to see. And it's it's also, Michael, I don't know what you think, but just being fans of the sport, it is so good for the sport to see Oklahoma and Texas doing really good again. I mean, it's just so good for the sport. You know? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, and this is, uh, especially after watching the game, this is 1,000% a game that I have on my bucket list of going to. I mean... The uh, environment was electric, and I mean, the fact that this is happening, the game always happens in the middle of the the Texas State Fair, so I mean, you go, (laughs) you watch, you know, half of football, you go out of the stadium for a second, you know, you get yourself, um, you know, a funnel cake and, you know, play some games and stuff, and then you go back in there and you got another elite half of football, I mean, (laughs) that's that's what college football is. Yeah. It's great, and Michael, all I'm saying is, if they go to the big, if they go to the Big Twelve Championship, we might have to pull up. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Yeah, it would definitely it would have to be, pull up. Yeah, I would love to go. 
No, that uh. that would be crazy. But um, yeah, as we were saying, you know, this had everything you want in a college football game, and lucky enough for all of us, another game at the twelve o'clock slate arguably had that too. Of course, I'm talking about LSU versus Missouri. I mean, this game was fireworks. Huge offensive day for both teams. Um, just to get my quick thoughts on it. First off, people are going to say, oh, LSU did what they need to do. Give your props to them. No, I'm starting this off by saying Missouri is the real deal. Yes, they lost by 10. It was really a three-point loss, okay? Ball got tipped. It was a pick six with like five seconds left. That doesn't even matter. Brady Cook, Luther Burden, and this Missouri team, they have put Missouri on the map. I mean, I believe they're going to beat Kentucky this next week going into it. This team defensively makes some plays. They obviously bend. You know, that is one of the weaker parts of their team. But the running game, I mean, this team, Michael, we can go back to the pod when we were talking about predictions for records. I don't even think we had Missouri winning three games. I mean, if you just look at where they are now, um, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And then LSU, Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, I mean, might be the best duo quarterback to wide receiver in the nation. It's insane. They came from behind, you know, the poise of an SEC team that's been there before really helped them at the end of this game. But man, it was, I, I can't remember the last time I've said this, but it was fun watching Missouri play football on Saturday. Um, Michael, give me your quick thoughts. Uh, yeah, definitely. We were uh, both very low on Missouri coming into this season. And I, I always thought that like Luther Burden was a really good receiver. I said that in that episode, the pod. Uh, but I, I just had questions on like Brady Cook and seeing if they could take the steps forward that they could. I, In my mind, I knew they, they physically could. But I just didn't think they were. And man, they have. Uh, Luther Burden, uh, 11 receptions, 140 yard, uh, 149 yards. I mean, he is another guy who is in the Heisman conversation. I think there's two, two maybe three non-quarterbacks in that conversation. I think Luther Burden is definitely one of them. I mean, there are so many great receivers uh, in the league right now. Obviously, Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., Luth, uh, Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunza, uh Keon Coleman, so many great ones, but Luther Burden is he is in that range, uh, that level, and at the level he's playing, I mean, it's ridiculous. He is so huge for that Missouri team. Um, Brady Cook had himself a good game, thirty of forty-seven, four hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns. He had two interceptions. That last one, that pick six, that one was brutal. Uh, but outside of that, he had himself a great game. Cody Schrader, the running back as well, he's having a great season. He had an amazing game today. 13 carries, 114 yards, three touchdowns, 8.8 yards per carry. He had, he had an amazing game. But the story is LSU um, pulling through. Jaden Daniels, 15 of 21, 259 yards and three touchdowns. He also had 130 rushing yards and a touchdown. And he had 8.7 yards per carry as well. So... I mean, he he had an amazing game. One thing, though, I need to see Jaden Daniels kind of slide more often. I don't know what it is. Every game, he's getting absolutely blown, oh, he's up. Getting I, blown I, up. I fear for him. I mean, he's gained, like he talked about it, he gained some muscle. He's around 210 now, which is like 20 pounds heavier than he was. But he's still a pretty skinny guy. And every time I see him get 
you know, hit. It's like, oh man, not a kid, because <laughs> he he's not the biggest dude. Uh, he's not uh, someone like Cam Newton, who was you know six five, like two forty, you know. And but Jane Daniels, man, he is playing ridiculously right now. I think uh, he undoubtedly should be in the Heisman conversation. And if it wasn't for the fact that LSU is two has two losses, man, I mean this LSU offense offensively is really talented i think they're in the, like at least the top three best offenses in college football oh, right yeah. now but they're and the they're defense is abysmal it's crazy like i mean you heard all the harold perkins type and might i add not only the interception he had but harold perkins is still the real deal but seriously this defensive flaw is like it's crazy and i just want to take like this is just like a very quick side note but like it has to be said and again obviously during the off season. We're going to do a huge deep dive into this and obviously just like draft projections and everything like that. But like, I just want to say, and I'm going to go out and say it right now. I've watched football ever since I can remember. I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks and obviously I've seen quarterback classes that are very top heavy. But if you think about it, I mean, I don't even need to label all of them. Caleb Williams, Michael Pence, just a couple. Jaden Daniels might be anywhere from like the seventh to 10th best quarterback in the class going next year. Michael, again, this is very early. We, we don't need to talk about this. I just want your opinion. This has potential to be the deepest quarterback class of all time. And I'm not joking when I say that. I mean, this quarterback class legitimately might be 20 to 25 deep of like great. I mean, seriously, 20 to 25 deep. Uh, yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, I think someone like a like a JJ McCarthy, uh, who in certain drafts would undoubtedly be a first rounder. I mean, JJ McCarthy is right now like some places have him as the second or third best quarterback, which is crazy to me. But like you could make that argument for people that I think I'd have him like around the sixth, like the sixth best quarterback. But you could make arguments for him. You could make arguments for Jaden Daniels with how electric he is. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you can't even forget. Like even after you get past, like obviously the Caleb Williams, the Drake Mays, and then even past the likes of say Shador Sanders, Bo Nix. Uh, Michael Penix, you know, Jaden Daniels, uh, J.J. McCarthy, you know, Quinn Ewers, all them. I mean, you've got people like Carson Beck who are st- taking massive steps forward. Uh, I mean, Brady Cook is playing, has played quite nice as well. I mean, up until this game, he hadn't had a single interception in like, I don't know, it was like seven, eight games. Um, no, yeah. He's it's playing like- quite good. So there's just a lot of great quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, we're being spoiled as college football fans of all the talent in there right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, amazing. Exactly. And again, if you take away people that are probably going to be playing college football next year, again, I just want to name a couple of guys, okay? Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers, Sam Hartman, Bo Nix. That is probably not even what, I mean, it, just looking at prospecting like a guy of, like Anthony Richardson. Didn't have the greatest team in college, but I mean, you look at what he is now. You look at a guy like KJ Jefferson. You look at a guy like Tyler Van. Like, it's just so. It's going to be a crazy class, but you know, we can't spend all our time there. Of course, you know, we have to go to a game that was kind of surprising to me. Actually, not kind of surprising. It was very surprising how it turned out because it was a little bit of domination, in my opinion. 
of course I'm talking about Louisville versus Notre Dame. Like, I came into this game thinking, Notre Dame, I think they've had some questionable play calling. Michael, I'll get your opinion when you talk about it, because, like, I don't think they're involving Sam Hartman as much as they should. However, I understand the ground and pound. I understand the defense. It's a it's a play type that, like, works, like, against a team like Ohio State, but, like, a team with an offense like Louisville, like, it just seemed like just the pass plays... I don't know. It's just weird the way they're using Sam Hartman. Like, I think Wake Forest was using him way more in the pass game. And then you're in Notre Dame and you go out and get a guy like Sam Hartman. And it seems like they're using him more like a game manager than anything else. But nonetheless, Louisville is back. And I can, like, officially say that, okay? Notre Dame is no cakewalk. You know, two, two losses in a row, absolutely not. This is a huge win for the program, not just for this year, but for the huge, like, for the program in general. Jack Plummer is having a great year. This offense is electric. I mean, I and if you really watch the game, Louisville was in control of it like the whole time. I mean, especially they pulled apart, they pulled away late in the second half. Like I just I really thought this was Notre Dame's year. They were going to make even a playoff type jump. And of course, heartbreak loss for Ohio State, but a game like this, I thought they were going to beat Louisville. I thought they were going to go and possibly beat USC. I mean, it was crazy to see. Man, I don't know. It's good to see Louisville back. Michael, what what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, it's uh, very bad for Notre Dame. Uh, if you listen to the file last week, I, I did talk about this game a little bit. I said it's going to be an interesting game. I didn't really understand. Uh, well, I said like the line was at like six. And there were certain people uh, that were big on Louisville. And I was like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more Notre Dame in this game. I think Notre Dame's going to cover, and I think they're going to probably win by two scores. Uh, I made two really bad predictions last week, that one, and the one I'll talk about later. And yeah, I, I was dead wrong on this. Uh, Louisville showed out big time. Uh, Jack Plummer, 17-24, 145 yards and a touchdown. Not his best game, but it didn't, he didn't need to when uh, Jawar Jordan, the running back. I mean, 21 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. Man, he had himself a game. Notre Dame, I don't know. Yeah, their offense, it just doesn't feel right. It just feels very odd. Um, they revert. Like, ever since that Ohio State game, they were reverted to um, – this pretty like this offense it just like looks very weird. Uh, I don't know, and their offense was looking pretty good. I guess it just was actually that they weren't playing good teams. But I mean, man, Audric Estime he had himself a terrible game. Ten carries for only twenty yards. I mean, uh, Jeremiah Love is playing good. Uh, five carries, thirty-seven yards, but that's not a lot. I mean, only forty-four rushing yards as a team. Sam Hartman, uh, twenty-two of thirty-eight, two hundred fifty-four yards. Two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I felt like earlier in the year, their receivers looked better. And it feels like they've taken some steps back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Notre Dame is still a good team. Um, I still think they have a... I think they'll prop... Like, I would not be surprised at all if they go out and beat USC this week. Uh, just knowing how college football is, I mean, they very much need a win right now. Uh, and they've gone up against some great defenses like Ohio State, like Duke, and like Louisville. They all have good defenses. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, and USC's defense is a joke. So, I mean, a lot of people are trying to write that game off, and I think Notre Dame has a legit chance of winning that. Um, if I look at what the line is, it, it not to get too far ahead, but the line is around, now it's moved up. It was around Notre Dame one and a half. It's moved up to three, despite the fact that there's a lot of money on USC right now. Um, people keep on betting on USC, and personally, I think uh, Notre Dame has a, a good chance of winning that. Um, feels like a trap line to me, but uh, man, Louisville, they're legit. Uh, I mean, I, I tried to write them off earlier in the season. I was not impressed with that uh, game against uh, Georgia Tech earlier in the year. Um, not um, impressed last week against uh, an NC State team that is not too, too good, and Louisville just did not look good in that game. But they showed out big this week. Um, they get the win. Notre Dame, two losses, so uh, no chance of making the college football playoffs this year with arguably the most talented quarterback that they've had in a long, long time in Sam Hartman. But, man, uh, Louisville's legit. They're definitely a team to look out for in the ACC. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd 100% agree. Let's just give like 30 seconds or less thoughts on these games real quick. Um, Arizona, USC. USC's defense is a real problem. Um, Caleb Williams is literally insane. This team would probably have four losses right now. I'm not even joking. I literally think they'd have four losses if he was not on this team. I mean, if, even if you look at one of those touchdowns where he literally like... He, he, he just... It was insane. It was just a two-yard run, but he literally carried a defender into the end zone. Um, oh, wait, are you yeah. talking about that two-point conversion? Yeah, yeah, the two-point conversion. That was, that was such a. I, I've never. I've seen teams do that formation. I've never seen it actually work until then. But yeah, um, no, shows but, you how talented Caleb Williams is. Yeah, he's absolutely insane. I mean, might be the best college quarterback I've ever seen. I'm not gonna lie. But um, Michael, <laughs> quick thirty seconds. Um, what do you think about this game? Uh, yeah, I was wrong about this game. I said that I thought USC was going to win by four scores. Uh, very much did not win by four scores. They're very lucky to have won this game. I mean, if Arizona's kicker makes that field goal, uh, then they lose because, you know, they got iced and then that real bad snap and sent it to overtime. But yeah, I mean, uh, Caleb Williams, extremely talented. He didn't have a great game throwing the ball, 14-25, 219 yards and a touchdown. But he was a lead on the uh, on the ground, three touchdowns, as well as that two-point conversion I was talking about earlier. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, he had himself a good game, though, 86 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries. But, uh, man, is USC's defense bad? I mean, I, I talked about how terrible it was against Colorado. I mean, it's getting worse. How, how in the world is your defense getting worse in the year? I mean, they need to fire Alex Grinch right now if they have any if they want to have any chance of doing anything this season. I mean, I think you could probably hire some random dude off the street and he'd probably do as good of a job as Alex Grinch. You know, there has to be some uh, former coordinator who had like something to do. If anything, uh, who they could hire who'd be better than Alex Grinch, I know it would be very weird, but I mean, Alex Grinch is horrible. All these players are out of position. They can't make a they can't make a tackle to save their lives. They can't make a play at all. They don't look like they're not very physical. It's just bad. 
of very bad defense. Uh, Noah Fifty, uh, the quarterback for Arizona, he had himself a day, 25, 35, 303 yards. And he had an interception, but five touchdowns. If you're letting uh, – he's a – what is he? A, is he a true freshman? Yeah. They're letting uh, – or excuse me, he's a redshirt freshman, my bad. It doesn't matter. If you're letting a redshirt freshman – Go out there and throw five touchdowns for uh, against you. Versus a Arizona. top ten team caliber defense. Now again, they're not that, but you just—it's frustrating. It really is. But um, and for time's sake, we're just gonna look at one. One last thing. The one last thing. And I, I know, like Jacob Cohen, the receiver for the uh, for Arizona. I mean, he's ridiculous. He had ten receptions, eighty-eight yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he's a really talented receiver. Uh, Arizona was really lucky to keep him this year. He was he transferred from UTEP. There were some talks about him transferring out. Uh, he's really talented, but uh, man, USC's defense needs to get better uh, quickly, or uh, you know, Notre Dame's offense might figure out how to score against you. No. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And um, last but certainly not least, um, again, even though this is a college football podcast, um, the biggest sports meltdowns I've ever seen are the Seattle Seahawks throwing an interception on the one-yard line in the Super Bowl with a minute left with arguably the best power back in the league at the time. Second is probably... Michigan fumbling the punt against Michigan State a couple years ago and losing that game. But one that might beat both of them. Miami versus Georgia Tech. What is Mario Cristobal thinking? Wanting to prove a point about, you know, I don't even know what he wanted to do. I don't know what analytic, I don't know what he's thinking. Running the ball with the clock running under 40 seconds. Fumbling. Calling a defensive play. That has no one back with 10 seconds left, knowing they can only get a touchdown to win or go up. They can't even get a field goal. And you let one, it wasn't even a jump ball with two people. You let one receiver get past your entire defense and you're playing Georgia Tech. I thought the U was back. I was very high on Mario Cristobal, Tyler Van Dyke. I just, I cannot even start to imagine what they were thinking michael give give some very quick thoughts on this uh yeah it's horrible and this is not the first time mario cristobal has done this uh most people have probably forgot this but when he was at oregon back in 2018 the same thing happened where uh, 33 seconds left in the game and or uh or not 30 uh around yeah they could have just taken the knee they didn't. They handed it off to do fumble. They lost to Stanford. Still, in 2013, or 2023 now, five years later, he's still doing it. What are we doing? Just take the knee. What uh, And the, the worst part of it is, honestly, I mean, that's a horrible play. Atrocious uh, coaching error. But what has to be is more ridiculous is, why in the world are you in a game against Georgia Tech that – you fumbling the ball on your final drive and giving Georgia Tech a chance to win the game. You're playing Georgia Tech. They're not very good. And Haynes King had a bad game. 12 of 25, uh, 151 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. I mean, he had a rushing touchdown. But, I mean, I'm at a loss. I still don't know. I mean, Georgia Tech had 250 total yards. Miami had 453. I know the turnovers. Miami had five turnovers. That's why they lost that game. But, 
I mean, Georgia, you should not be in a game with Georgia Tech that late. You should be blowing them out with a team like Miami who has, like, real aspirations. And a lot of those might be out the door now. I mean, because I mean, I play North, at North Carolina this week, uh, and then they play Clemson, and they have Florida State later on the schedule. I mean, like, what are we doing? Uh, very, very bad for uh, Mario Cristobal. I don't know how they move forward after a loss like that. And one last game that I think we should talk about. I don't know how we haven't talked about it. Alabama versus Texas A&M. Um, you know, it's crazy that Alabama is getting pushed back with this one. But, man, that was a crazy game. And I, I think uh, Jalen Milrow, he had himself a game, 21-33, 321 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he looks a lot better than he did earlier this season. Um, Alabama. Don't look now, but they're kind of rolling. But man, what what is Jimbo Fisher doing? I mean, there are so many like plays where like they should have like won that game. Well, you know, uh, when was was there was a fourth and one where they punted for they they um when was that? Yeah, fourth and one at Alabama forty five in a game in a tied game. Uh, where they were driving, and they go and they punt the ball, and next and Alabama gets a touchdown. The next drive, I mean, so many bad mistakes from Jimbo Fisher and that Texas A&M team. Like that was a game that they very easily could have won, despite Alabama and um, Alabama looking much better. Jalen Milrow. Also, again, if it wasn't for uh, Georgia players, where would Alabama be right now? I mean, oh my god! Uh, Jermaine oh Burton, god. nine receptions, 197 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, where would they be? Where would Alabama be if they didn't have former Georgia players that uh, transferred out because they weren't getting the uh, targets that they wanted? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, moving on, I'll give my quick thoughts. Um, yeah, Jalen Milrow, proving people wrong. He's actually starting to have a really good year. But yeah, it kind of boils down to Texas A&M blew this game. Up 17 to 10 at halftime, missed on literally every opportunity in the second half. Um, Jimbo might not be that guy, honestly. Um, you look at the talent on this team and where they're at right now. It's just sad, man. But yeah, Alabama's rolling. Definitely uh, would not want to play them anytime in the near future. But um, yeah, Michael, let's um, let's move on to our our first segment overreaction or not enough oh wait i think i just mixed you right there overreaction are just uh, about right yeah (laughs) all right uh i have seven of them for you so we'll start with the first one mario cristobal is on the hot seat at miami overreaction are just about right um i kind of wish you asked me that question next week after they play unc because i do believe that was just a Complete fluke thing. Um, season defining for Miami, but I don't think quite yet job defining. So um, for now, I'll say overreaction. All right. Uh, next one. Oklahoma will make the college football playoffs. This is so hard because I do think they're gonna they're a lock for the Big Twelve championship now. Um, you know. I, it's tough, man, because Texas is that good, too. I, 
It's definitely going to be them or Texas getting in the playoff, barring none of them losing again until the Big 12 championship. Yeah. I guess the question uh, would be, I mean, uh, do you think Oklahoma is going to beat Texas again, or do you think that Oklahoma has a strong enough case to make it an even if they lose? That's the real question. Sadly enough, I think my answer is no to both of those questions. And for both of those reasons, I'm going to have to say overreaction. I think Texas gets it done if they play again. I think Quinn Ewers cuts back on the early turnovers, and I don't know. Sadly enough, I, I think I think Texas is the one that comes out of the Big 12. This just feels like their year. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I, I would love to see it, but also I kind of want, like, selfishly want Oklahoma to not make it because I really want to see an Oklahoma versus USC uh, bowl game. I think that'd be amazing. That would be pretty crazy. Um, must watch television, and I don't think uh, USC is going to be making the playoffs if their defense continues to play like they have been. I mean, they're like I knew their defense was going to be really bad coming into the season, and I understood that. But I mean, it this might arguably be the worst uh, Lincoln Riley defense, which is crazy to say. Uh, I mean, not to say that USC can't make the playoffs. I, again, I they I did predict them to do, and I knew their defense was going to be bad. And Kalen Williams is ridiculous, but. I don't know. Uh, next uh, one. Uh, Brock Bowers can win the Heisman. Overreaction or just about right? I want to say I want to say it like this. I was wrong when we talked about it earlier in the year when you were talking about your Heisman finalist. I believe the player that Brock Bowers is on most years could win the Heisman and would be a finalist. However, just with how top-heavy the quarterback talent is, I mean, even just look at the stats of the top quarterbacks, especially Michael Penix, if Washington keeps this rate up. So are you asking Are you asking if Brock Bowers can win the Heisman? Is that what it is? Yeah. Do you think that they can? I would say just about right. He definitely can. Um, but it's going to be really hard for him to this year. But I definitely think he has the best position player chance, too. Yes, I do. All right. Uh, next one. Louisville is this year's TCU. Um, I will say just about right. Yes, I do think they're going to have a similar type of year. I don't know about undefeated. And um, I do think they had higher expectations going into this year than TCU did last year. But yeah, this is kind of looking like a Cinderella storybook ending for um, Louisville if they keep this up. So. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to say, yeah. Uh, next one. The SEC race is over. Georgia has locked it up. Do you think there's another team in the SEC that can beat Georgia? Is that an overreaction? Here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. I will say, no, I don't think there was another team in the SEC that could beat Georgia. Um, I do think, funny enough, I think Missouri has the best chance. I don't think Tennessee does. I think Missouri does, just after what I've seen this year. Although people are definitely heavily sleeping on Tennessee, mainly because we don't know if Joe Milton can get it done in a big game, which we'll see versus Texas A&M on Saturday. But um, I know you're going to get into this, and everyone, you already know how much I hate Georgia, but <laughs> especially in their dynasty run, I can't, I just can't not say it. Carson Beck is the best Georgia quarterback I've seen in like probably the last 10 years and i know that's crazy i know he's only six game in i know he's only matured a little bit he 
played borderline a perfect game versus Kentucky on Saturday. Some of those throws he made, high pointing when he needs to, like, and trust me, I hate talking about this, but you cannot <laughs> deny how good Carson Beck is playing. And also, again, as much as I don't want to say this, say what you will about Brock Bowers, Carson Beck is why they beat Auburn a couple weeks. I mean, his poise on third and long, dude, that's literally why they won the game. You go back and watch that game. Auburn outplayed Georgia in every aspect of the game, except when they had them on third and long. Funny enough, Georgia's best plays came on third and 12 plus. They had to have converted like five of them. And you have to give the credit to Carson Beck. And, you know, yeah. I also have a lot of respect earned. Again, as crazy as this sounds, I know he's won two national championships. Not much more than he already had for me. But Kirby Smart's coaching, man. You know, I hate, you know, giving Georgia all the praises they usually <laughs> do, but they deserve it, man. And, yeah, I do think the SEC race is over. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Carson Beck is ridiculous right now. Um, he's just on another level. Um, I wouldn't say he's the best quarterback, like, I mean, I think talent-wise, he's maybe more talented than Stetson. Stetson had that kind of... I'm just saying if he stays on the pace of how yeah. he's playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. So I, think he'll, I think he'll probably put up a lot of, like, numbers-wise. He's on pace to break a lot of Georgia records. But um, I would say talent-wise, I wouldn't say Carson Beck is... I, I mean, I you know, I still have a, a, a soft spot for Aaron Murray. I mean... Talent-wise, he was ridiculous. If y'all don't watch him play, I mean, ridiculous. And I, yeah, I remember when dude. he He's played in that, dude, so. that Auburn game when that Auburn guy caught it off that bobble. That was that was a crazy game to watch. That was fun. That but, was, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. what, was, what, was, what was the Auburn's receiver name? Ricardo Lewis, I think. That was a funny finish, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he finished like 3-1 and one against Auburn in his career. That was the only win that Auburn got against them. Uh, no. So. Yeah, you're you're probably right on that. Yeah, I mean there were some really good Auburn teams too in that year, and I mean they just had to go up against Aaron Murray and then uh, get ripped to shreds, you know. And so they don't they don't All let the, right. the one All they don't let right. the one time that they got the win against Aaron Murray they can't forget that, you know. Uh, you know, uh, all right, our next one moving forward. Also, Mike Bobo, his offensive play calling has taken a step forward. We'll talk about that later. Um, but next overreaction, uh, UNC has a legit chance to win the ACC. Overreaction, just about 100% right. 100% just about right. Drake May is hitting his hot streak at a perfect time. Devontae Walker warming up to the offense when he gets fully in tune. That's going to be crazy, too. And... Honestly, Florida State has not been looking that good to me over the last couple of weeks. I don't even think they looked that good against Tech. Um, especially after the, the downfalls recently of Miami. Obviously, you still have to look at a team like Louisville. But, yeah, they definitely have a very realistic shot to win the ACC. So I'd say just about right. Yeah, definitely. Their, their defense has taken a step forward. Drake May is still the Heisman uh, candidate that he has always been. And um, their two receivers, transfers, obviously, Devontae Walker, they finally get him back. We love to see that in the transfer from Kent State. And, but, you know, holding them down this whole time, Nate McMullen, uh, Nate McMullen, I think that's his name, um, the receiver 
the uh, the Georgia Tech transfer. Um, and he's really good. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, Toby, uh, but and you remember that Georgia Georgia Tech game last year? There was the Georgia Tech receiver that was killing Georgia. That was the yeah. same guy, Nate McCollin. Yeah, he's Cullen. playing crazy. Yeah, he had a, All right. a great game versus him. Yes. Uh, one last one. Uh, Jimbo Fisher will be fired this season. Overreaction or just about right? Um, if I had all of the money in the world, I would put it on 100%. Yes, he's getting fired. Definitely on thin ice after the Miami game. But you look at that, you can't really say that was a coaching loss. I mean, Miami, again, they're a good team this year. Huge fluke loss. But Texas A&M played well. And then you look at that Alabama game, and I believe if you had a different coach coaching, they would have beat Alabama. I mean, punting on that fourth and one. And Jimbo just has not gotten it done in Texas A&M. So there's so many things I could say about why he's going to be gone. But to keep it short, yes, I think Jimbo will be gone by the end of the year. Uh, I, I think definitely if you went by pure uh, coaching, like how his like how he's done as a coach, I think he probably definitely gets fired. But the only thing that keeps me from saying he gets fired um, is that, you know, every time uh, I feel like he should get fired, or if you're a Texas A&M fan or any fan of college football fan, and you think, man, Jimbo Fisher needs to be fired, uh, look up Jimbo Fisher's uh, contract buyout. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's $76.8 million. Yeah, they um, would have to bite a huge bullet. So, And frankly, if I'm... A team. If I'm running a team, for as bad as Jimbo Fisher, his coaching was in that game, and how how many times he just kind of lets the team down, um, there you'd have to be a really, really bad head coach, like a, a lot worse than Jimbo Fisher for me to pay you $76.8 million to not coach my team. Uh, you know, they, they're obviously getting these big TV deals and Texas A&M has a lot of money. They got some big donors and they got that oil money or whatever in the world. But I don't, I don't think there's enough oil money uh, to um, be able to go out and fire a dude for $76.8 million. Uh, I don't think he gets fired for that reason alone. <laughs> That's a that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, to give a guy to, to especially just for a school, like for for a college, that's an incredibly big bullet to bite. I yeah, still believe uh, they're gonna do it, but it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. ATM has the money for it. Yeah, but, I'd um, I'd have to agree. Um, all right. Yeah, moving on to our um our last segment of the pod. And what I'm very excited for, I know you were saying you had some spicy things to say. Um, let's let's do our top 25s. Michael, I'll um, let you give your updated top 25 first. All right. Um, so at number 25, after lampooning them for a lot of the pod, uh, I have Miami uh, down nine spots. I still think they're a top 25 team, despite that embarrassing loss to Georgia Tech. Um, they they have a good win against Texas A&M while the record might not show it. Texas A&M is a good team with talent and they have the chance to win big games. And uh, Miami was looking very good up until that point. You know, every team has a spot where they uh, don't look good. I I still think Miami has shown enough 
for me to say they're a top 25 team, but they're at number 25, down nine spots. At 24, I have Tennessee uh, jumping into the top 25. Um, you know, I've gone back and looked at Tennessee, and, you know, do I feel like they've done enough to really establish themselves as a top 25 team? Not fully, but uh, that's kind of how the board fell. They're there. Um, but, yeah, so 24 for Tennessee. At 23, I have Missouri down three spots. Unlike the AP poll, I'm not taking them out of my top 25 for a loss against an LSU team that uh, is really good offensively and very much needed that game. Uh, it would be very bad for Brian Kelly if they uh, – they fell to three and three. Uh, so Missouri down three spots. At twenty-two, I have Kansas. Uh, they were unranked last week. They were my. Uh, I guess you, if I had to pick a twenty-sixth team, they would have been my twenty-sixth team. And they go out and show out big time against UCF. Win fifty-one twenty-two. Uh, huge win for them. Um, Kansas is still a good team. Uh, at 21, down 10 spots, I have Notre Dame. Um, I still think Notre Dame is a good team, but at 5-2, and two, um, tough uh, to keep them in the top 25, but I think they've done enough, and that win against Duke was good. Duke is a good team. So down 10 spots at 21 for Notre Dame. At 20, I have LSU. They were unranked last week. Um, they jumped back into the top 25 with a really good win against Missouri uh, that they very much needed. At 19, I have down one spot Duke. Uh, nothing really against Duke per se, uh, but the Notre Dame loss does look a little bit worse after they get blown out pretty much by Louisville. Um, uh, next, at 18, I have Washington State down four spots. Um, the Washington State Cougars, uh, that get a loss to uh, UCLA. And, uh, man, a lot of people wrote UCLA off after that Utah game, but their defense is still good. And, I mean, he's not at the level that he def he's going to be. He's obviously not a finished product. He's just a true freshman. But Dante Moore is a really talented quarterback. And, uh, you know, don't sleep on UCLA. They got a big game against Oregon State. Watch out for that one. Their defense is legit, though. Uh, at 17, I have UCLA, who, were, who was unranked last week. Get a massive win against Washington State. Uh, you have to put them in the top 25 after that, and UCLA shows out. And then I think if Dante Moore, who's, you know, again, in my opinion, has taken steps. He didn't have an amazing game. He still threw two, two, two interceptions, but 290 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's push himself further and I think if that Dante Moore even with the two interceptions I think they probably beat Utah 5 at 16 up one spot um their win against UCLA looks a little better I guess but uh yeah that's just how it falls uh at 15 I have Ole Miss up four spots they played against Arkansas and that was a not a great win I and mean, that was definitely a game that they could have lost but I mean that was a massive Massive potential uh, letdown spot for uh, Ole Miss, and they show out big uh, against Arkansas. Uh, well, not show out big, but they get a win that they definitely needed. You know, um, a lot of uh, teams have lost 
uh, who beat a big team one week. Next week, they lose a game that they probably should have won. Ole Miss uh, goes out and wins it. Uh, at 14, I have Oregon State up one spot. Um, again, they didn't have a great win against uh, Cal, 52-40. to 40. Uh, but again, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, always something can happen. At um, 13, up 12 spots, I have the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, massive win against Notre Dame. They look legit. I had to do a, you know, a, you know, change what I my I, my opinion on Louisville. They were a team that was iffy when they go out and get a win like that. Uh, how can you not? At twelve, I have down three spots. USC. I mean, their offense is legit. Caleb Williams is real, but their defense is horrible, and it forces me to drop them further. At eleven, I have Alabama up one spot with a good win against Texas A&M. I mean, you could argue that was their toughest game moving forward. Uh, tech playing Texas A&M on the road. They get the win. Uh, I expect to see them in the SEC championship game, to be honest. Uh, at 10, this is the bold take I was telling you, Toby. I have the North Carolina Tar Heels. Wow. Uh, they look legit. Um, their defense, I mean, it's night and day from what we'd seen before. And, and honestly, you could argue this was their best win. I mean, Syracuse, they come... Uh, they're coming off a, a close loss, kind of close loss to Clemson. Um, they're still 4-2. And, and what does Drake May go out and do but have his best game? 33 of 47, 442 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions. Manny had himself a game. This North Carolina offense is legit, and their defense is there too. Uh, do not sleep on the Tar Heels. This is not the team from last year that only played one side of the ball. Uh, they have a defense, too. Uh, at nine, I have Oregon down one spot, just kind of how uh, the board fell. Uh, they're still a really good team. They're playing Washington this week. Uh, at number eight, down four spots, I have Texas. I'm not going to drop Texas out of my top ten for what was a really close loss. Um, you know, I don't believe in such thing as a Good loss, no loss is good, but uh, that's the closest thing to it, in my opinion. I think they're still a really good team. At seven, I have Washington staying where they are. Um, yeah, I mean, Washington is really good. They play Oregon this week. Um, you know, Michael Penix is legit. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I have that. Uh, next, I have Ohio State down one spot. I don't know. They get the win against Maryland. They managed to cover. I didn't think they were. But, I mean, that game felt really weird. That first half, I mean, they it looked much better in the second half, but, they, you know, had some big plays to break off. But, you know, so if they don't get that, then we're asking, what do we think of Ohio State? I don't know. Their offense just does not look right to me. Uh, something looks off. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, at Five up one spot at Penn State. Uh, you know they're coming off a bye week, but I uh, I still think Penn State is a very good team. So yeah, that's where I have them at number four up six spots. I have the Oklahoma Sooners. Man, what a great win! Um, if the season was to end today, I'd have them in my uh, college football playoffs. Uh, it doesn't end today, but uh, man, Oklahoma is legit. At three, I have Florida State. Uh, yeah, some struggles against Virginia Tech, but it kind of looked like, you know, they got up 22 nothing in the first quarter, uh, and then they took the foot off the gas. Um, 
Florida State still a good team. Uh, yeah, at two I have uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, defensively, they are elite. Offensively, they look very, very good. And the only problem is I haven't seen them against. I haven't seen them get pushed this season. And you know, you give them props for you know uh, blowing out these really bad teams, but. I mean, what do we learn about them? Nothing. These are some of the worst teams in college football, with the exception of Rutgers and maybe Nebraska. Now that it seems like they turned a leaf, maybe potentially. I'm not sure, but yeah, that's where I have them. And then number one, I have Georgia. Um, it's what I was talking about in that game against Auburn. Man, I mean, Parkson Beck needed that. He needed a game, in my opinion, where they are trailing in a tough environment so he can go out there and improve as a quarterback. And what does he do the next week? But he has his best game and one of the greatest games uh, from a Georgia quarterback, in my opinion. That first half was dominant, to say the least. Um, I think you could honestly throw his name into the Heisman campaign. I mean, say whatever you want, but when you're the quarterback for the best team in the nation and you're playing pretty good, uh, they kind of like to put you in that Heisman combo. So that's how I feel. Also, Mike Bobo, who was very, very critical of. And if I'm going to be critical of someone, um, once they start showing out, I got to give him props. He has undoubtedly uh, taken a step forward. So, yeah, that's my top 25. So, yeah, Toby, take it away. All right. Let me um, let's get into it. At number 25. A team a little bit under the radar. They didn't make it into the AP Top 25. But I have Wyoming. They have some big wins this year. Texas Tech and Fresno State. The team is surprising a lot of people. And they look really good. At 24, I have Missouri. I'm not going to talk about this as long as I should. But the fact that Kentucky was still ranked after losing by 40 to Georgia. And Missouri barely loses to LSU and they get pushed out. Absolutely crazy to me. Um, 23, I have Notre Dame. Just a disappointing loss, man. 22, I got LSU. They beat Missouri. You know, they still have two losses already, but they're LSU. So, at 21, I have Kansas. And, Michael, even though this is my top 25, I want your quick opinion. Um, Kansas, I mean, Kansas is just a good team this year. And I really think with how their whole team was playing, when Jason Bean was quarterback versus Texas, even though it ended up being a blowout late in the game, I legitimately think they had a chance at beating Texas if Jalen if um Jaden Daniels was playing. I just want your quick thoughts on that. With how they were playing in that first half defensively, do you think they had a shot to win that game? Uh yeah, definitely. I think uh I mean I talked about it a little bit in that podcast episode, but uh yeah, Jalen Daniels is uh legit, obviously. And I think they probably win that game if they had him. Um, but yeah, I mean, this week against UCF, again, no Jalen Daniels again. What is, I mean, Jalen Daniels is an extremely good talent, but it just feels like every time um, he goes out there, he gets hurt. Jason Bean, then I have a great game, 8 of 12, 91 yards and a touchdown. He didn't make any mistakes like he made in the Texas game. Um, but, yeah, they were able to run it up and down the field against UCF. I mean, you look at some of the guys. But, yeah, I think if they had Jalen Daniels, I mean, 
with Jalen Daniels, that Kansas team is at a different level, in my opinion. They just yeah. have something different to throw at you. Uh, yeah, I and know. I think they could have. I mean, I don't think they would have beaten Texas, but I think the final score would have been a lot closer. Oh, I agree. I think it would have been a photo finish as the Oklahoma game, just with how good that Kansas defense was playing in that game early on. Um, moving on to 20, I have Washington State. We've kind of just started the Pac-12 carousel, everyone losing to each other in random orders. Um, yeah, Dante Moore is starting to develop his game, and he's going to be good for UCLA the next couple of years. I know he has some growing pains, but dang, he's going to be good. Right in front of Washington State, I have UCLA. Big win. Watch out for this UCLA team. Like Michael was saying, they play Oregon State this week. At 18, I have Tennessee. Kind of flying under the radar. Um, you know, had that loss to Florida. But, um, yeah, Tennessee's doing some things. At 17, I have Duke. Um, pretty pretty neutral for me. Tough loss versus Notre Dame last week. But um, this week, they get back on track. 16, I have Utah. Um, yeah, not too, too much to say about them. Just, um, kind of indifferent this week. 15, I have Oregon State. Um, big game against UCLA this week. We'll, um, we'll see if they can get it done. Uh, 14, I have Ole Miss. This team, I wish they could have played good versus Alabama because this team is really good this year. And, um, they, they really dominated an Arkansas team that I thought was going to put up a fight versus him. At 13, I have Louisville. My goodness, what a game versus Notre Dame. Jack Plummer in this offense. I, I think they have some big things ahead for this year. All the way dropping to 12, I have USC. That defense, man. You can't have scares like that versus Arizona State and Arizona. Like, I don't know. But Caleb Williams is him. At 11, I'm I'm pretty high on him as, as well as you are, Michael. I have UNC. Drake May is hitting a stride that we've seen with it, from him before. But this is just different, man. This team... Things are shaping up to um, just real nicely for them in the ACC race this year. At 10, I have Alabama. Possibly one of three teams that, I mean, arguably one of, like, if not the one team no one wants to play right now. Alabama is mad. They're playing angry. Jalen Milrow, proving people wrong. This defense, man. Ooh, they're looking scary. At 9, I have Texas. Heartbreak loss to Oklahoma, but you can't deny that they definitely deserve to be in that game playing great. Um, they definitely stay in the top 10 for me. At eight, I have Oregon, huge game against Washington this week. We really get to see if um, Oregon has a, has a real shot to win the Pac 12 this year, and if they do, they're gonna have to win a game like this. At seven, I have Penn State. I just, I just think Penn State's weird this year, like they've won games, they beat Iowa, which isn't really crazy. It's going to be cool to see them play Ohio State next week after this one. Um, yeah, that's when we'll really see how they are. As of right now, I don't see them winning that game just because this offense is just weird to me right now. But yeah, I have them at seven. Washington didn't have the greatest of the past two weeks, but Michael Penix putting up insane numbers. I mean, at 2,000 passing yards, 16 passing touchdowns. Again, big game versus Oregon. It's it's gonna be fireworks. At five, I have Florida State. I don't think they're playing great football right now, but they're also not playing great competition, and they've gotten it done when they've needed to this year, like against Clemson and everyone else. So can't can't deny that they're definitely top five. So I have them there. At four, I have Ohio State. Very rough start. If Maryland knew how to you know 
have poise whatsoever. I mean, they they should have been up 17 nothing in that game versus Ohio State, but Ohio State forced the turnovers, came back. Marvin Harrison is him. Uh, they're looking good. I can't wait to see that Penn State game next week. Um, number three, I have Oklahoma. Huge win. Dylan Gabriel is him. Brent Venables. I'm I'm happy for him, man. I am. Um, number two, I have Michigan. Defensively, offensively, special teams. They might be the best all-around team in the nation. However, as a week-to-week basis and going to it, you can't put them over Georgia. Absolute dominant win versus top 25 team. This is the best that we've seen Carson Beck, and it's not even the best of Carson Beck. Big things ahead for them, and um, yeah, that'll round out my top 25 for this week. All right, sounds good. All right, before we head out, I'm going to throw you three games for this week. Let me know who you're picking real quick. Don't have to give analysis. USC, Notre Dame, who you picking? I got I got USC winning. All right. Um, Miami, North Carolina, who you got? I got North Carolina by two touchdowns. Nice. Uh, and our final one that are – well, actually, you know what? We'll throw two more. Uh, one more. Uh, a little Pac-12, sort of after dark, uh, UCLA, Oregon State. I, th- uh, I think UCLA. I think Dante Moore's like really starting to get some game experience down, and I see them winning this game. Yeah, definitely. I don't. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in it. You know, I think it's going to be a kind of a lower scoring game. Definitely a defensive battle. It's oh, definitely, definitely. And, Especially if since it's at fifty four and a half right now, I would definitely take the under. I mean, UCLA's defense is just playing insane this year. Yeah, definitely. And one last big one: Oregon, Washington, Bo Nix. Michael Penix Jr., both quarterbacks, you know, looking to establish themselves as Heisman candidates. The line is at three, Husky Stadium. So, I mean, you take a, you put them on a neutral side, you think Vegas probably thinks of, you know, they're probably even teams. Who you got, Oregon, Washington? Um, It's really tough. My gut tells me that Oregon has the better team because they're a lot better defensively, but... My, my my heart and mind are telling me Washington, man. I just think Michael Penix, I think this is his year to win the Heisman, and I think he proves that in this game. Definitely. All right. Um, any last, anything? Last yeah. Um, just last things. Um, I just want to say, you know, we didn't say it at the start of the pod, but um, once again, this is an episode sponsored by Appliance Outlet. Your neighborhood friendly appliance store. We're thankful for the sponsorship and um yeah, just just really thankful. And um to all you listeners out there, I know we said it was coming soon. Things are crazy, but we are working on the merch. It's Not um definitely. it's gonna be out to you hopefully late fall. Again, Michael's a college student. I I I'm full time in work, so life is crazy, but um we appreciate all you listeners, and um, it was it was definitely good to be back this week. I hope to not miss any weeks in the near future. Yeah. Uh, again, make sure you um, follow the pod wherever you're listening. Uh, share with your friends uh, and family. Rate it nice. Uh, you know, give us a rating. We do really appreciate that. Uh, again, make sure you fo- check out the social medias. Uh, we got graphics on Instagram, you know, we have all kind of live tweets on Twitter, all kinds of stuff. So again, make sure you check that out. We appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, yeah, 
So, um, goodbye.